Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or a real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you successfully sued a corporation only to have the principal claim it had no assets. What did you do? Dennis, we showed after the judgment there was a pattern of the principal taking money out of the corporation for his own personal purposes. And the outcome? After examining and documenting the corporation bank statements, we showed a pattern where the principal was using the corporation as his own personal piggy bank. We were able to show that he personally had a lot of money and should be the real defendant. He thought he could get away with everything by hiding behind the skirts of the corporation, but now he's personally liable. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. Podcast. With me today is my good friend producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. So today we are coming to you from the beautiful UCLA campus. And uh, why, you may ask? Well, because part of our topic includes a, um, the teaching of socialism. And campuses such as UCLA embrace the notion that somehow socialism is a good thing. <clears throat> that... Uh, that Bernie Sanders and his ilk are advocating such wonderful ideas, um, and, and why not embrace them? Anyway, I, I, and I'm, I'm here on the campus itself to, to speak about my love for, yes, in fact, my crush on capitalism. <clears throat> That's right, you UCLA folks. I love capitalism, and I'm going to declare from the hilltops, as it were. Now, why do I say that? What, what is it about capitalism that, that makes me love it so much? Well... Look, capitalism brings out the very best in, in everyone. They say this concept of, you know, uh, capitalism brings out the best in products and services, but the very worst in people. And, you know, you're, we're all supposed to be nodding our head like we are pearls of wisdom that was just spoken now, right? It's not true, not even close to that. On the contrary, capitalism not only brings out the best in products and services, but the best in people, too. In fact, offline, Ari, you and I were talking about how it's really hard to find anything, anything wrong with capitalism, right? I mean, there's nothing that capitalism offers that is somehow better in some other system, whether it's socialism, communism, some other ism, whatever. There's nothing. Now, I liken it a little bit to you know, we talked before about capitalism being the panacea, the, 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 the Windex, the, the, the cure-all for all things, right? And so it is. And so it is. You, you name the problem, capitalism is there to fix it. Now I'm talking about God-based free market capitalism, not the kind of China capitalism, uh, not the, the, the one that's truly godless. I think that's actually dangerous. Well, those not are be- actually aren't... Ca- and it's not about the capitalism part, part of it. Yeah, those, well, those aren't capitalism. Right. Anything that isn't capitalism, anything distorted by capitalism isn't go. capitalism. Let's get that off here right. at the top. Because people will, will jump yeah. on us for that, for that very issue. And, and they'd be wrong to, to assert that. Um, the point is that capitalism answers all of life's problems. The, the better answer is capitalism. So, 
Let's go through them very briefly. Um, in the world of medicine, capitalism offers the best solutions to all sorts of raging diseases and, and, and health issues, right? Um, and you would think that people who advance Obamacare might kind of learn from this lesson because Obamacare is this so socialist carve-out out of the, the notion of capitalism, and, and uh, it's not working. It's utterly failing in so many different ways. Now, we have, um, we, we have the issues of, um, let's say, innovation. We know that, in, that innovation only flourishes with capitalism. You can only have great inventions through capitalism. Why? Because people advance ideas and they protect their ideas through the patent system and otherwise, and uh, they're encouraged to bring out the best. And so, so it goes. We have better prices for better products time and time again. And more of them available to more people, yeah. more times, and with greater availability. That's exactly right. Now, what's so funny about, about this is that I think of a product. You know, you, you, you typically go to, if you've ever been to Europe, or France, for example, I've been to France a few times, and to Italy and so on, you go to a cafe, a restaurant, a bar, you get this, this, this attitude. Have you noticed this, Ari? Uh, this tremendous attitude from the waiters and the waitresses there, as if you're bothering them by entering into their restaurant, the, the, the restaurant where you plan to pour some money into it, and sometimes a lot of money, and they couldn't be more annoyed. Like you think, why is this happening, right? You, we're so used to this notion of um, people saying, how can we help you? Thank you for patronizing our, our place. Uh, we, we'd like to, to see you again, come again soon, right? Are you talking about the notion of service with a smile? Yeah, service with a smile. Yeah, that. We're, we're, we are so used to that. In yeah, America, that doesn't right? exist in Europe. It doesn't <laughs> exist. Their whole notion of, of um, service with a smile, like you said, or for that matter, God, it, it's, it's all laughable. It's bizarre. They, they think we're strange for saying, how are you? Because, you know, we're not really sincere. You know, we actually are sincere, but nevertheless... The, the, the whole notion of you know smiling, how you doing? Let's get things going. They they, they look at us like we're aliens. You know, it, it's just it doesn't. They don't get this, right? So capitalism is is uh, is something that we in America embrace, and they don't they don't embrace it whatsoever. It's a it, it, at the very best, it's a necessary evil. Uh, but they don't think of themselves in capitalistic terms. They truly think of, of themselves in socialist terms. You know, what, why is it that people embrace socialism, or at least they have a romantic uh, romanticism about socialism? Why is that? I think that a lot of Americans go to Europe, and they see the trains and the subways, and it, it kind of scoots them off to this place or that place, and they love the museums, and they, talk, and, and they treasure their museums uh, and all their history and such. But the reality is, uh, if, if, you, if you actually know a little bit about it, that very few Europeans actually use the trains. <laughs> they use the subway systems, yes, but not the trains. And the reason why is because it's too expensive. They are, uh, but for us, it's great. You know, we go on a train, we, it's empty, and it's very easy to get a, a, a seat. And you just kind of zip from one city to the other, and you just say, Is, isn't this cool? Shouldn't we have this in America? Right? And so they come back to America thinking that these Europeans, they got it going. But they don't. They don't realize that that really what they're they're dealing with is just this hocus uh, pocus of an idea that pretends to actually offer something to the people. Now that that brings them into another equation where 
you say, well, listen, Barack, Ari, this capitalism thing, uh, you know, upon which you have a crush, your, your, your romanticism about capitalism is misplaced. Why? Because the disparity between the rich and the poor is so great in America compared to Europe. Putting aside that I think there's some, uh, there's some error in that thinking, Let, let's assume that it's correct. Because you can argue that all day long. Well, the reason why there may be this apparent disparity is because in Europe, they don't allow a disparity. They, they insist that everyone has to be equal, and so they, they don't mind that everyone's equally poor. So this disparity that they speak about, yeah, sure, it may not exist. Uh, but guess what? You know, in, in poor countries like um, Somalia, everyone's equally poor there too. You, you wouldn't, you, wouldn't uh, you know, uh, showcase it as a model of, of, great, uh, of a great economy, would you? Right? And of course not. But they're all equal there, right? So clearly that's not a good enough explanation. You need to have a society where there is, uh, you know, the, the, there's a relatively little poor, a strong middle class, um, and yes, a lot of wealthy people. It's very good for the economy. The more wealthy people you have, the better it is for the economy. It means that people, uh, these wealthy people, generally speaking, are people that are creating business. They are creating jobs as a consequence, and they're creating innovation that people want. Let me ask you a mind-blowing question. In a capitalist system, is there a limit as to how many people can possibly be rich? <laughs> and is there a possibility that everyone could be rich? Is there that possibility? Yeah, that, that's, yeah the that's, answer that's, is that's absolutely the yes. The beauty is that everyone can be rich. Everyone can enjoy the, the fruits of their labors. Everyone can be a master of their own domain. Right, because and, unlike, yeah. unlike our ideological opponents who believe that when someone receives a bigger slice of pie, someone else must receive less, right. their pie must shrink, that's not how it works. They really believe when that. When you acquire wealth, I don't become less wealthy. That's right. They, they, and they honestly believe that. That's the amazing thing about it. Despite looking around and, and you try to explain the most basic fundamentals of capitalism, despite when you tell them that capitalism has been the only system ever devised that actually lifts people out of poverty, there is no other system that has ever been devised that otherwise uh, focuses on that. Your point is a good one, because, uh, but what people will say in response, Ari, is, come on, Barack and Ari, you know, you can't have everyone rich because you need some people to clean up the, um, the floors of janitors, you need some people to flip the burgers, you need some people to fix the traffic lights, or, or what have you, and clearly they're not going to be rich people ever. Yes and no. The, the point is that, you know, in everyone's stages in life, they, they will have different jobs. So the younger people will be flipping the burgers, right? And as they get more advanced, they can uh, earn much more. Now, when you say rich, we're not talking about Bill Gates rich, although there should be a lot of those people too. We're talking people who are... Who have enough money to do essentially whatever they want with their money. Right, and to, and to retire comfortably. That is rich. That is what you and I are defining as rich. No, or I should, let me reiterate, people who can choose at any moment of the day what to do with their time. Yeah. That, that is what to do with the then, time. Then you are truly rich. Right. And, and the reason I make the point, and the reason I think we can actually explode the notion that even the burger flipper can't become rich, is if you can just close your eyes for a second and imagine a world in America where full unbridled capitalism runs amok, yeah. as our ideological yeah. opponents say, and the labor pool of the unemployed is so minuscule. Yeah that employers are fighting over people to flip burgers and do yeah. janitorial work, the, the 
wage per hour rates that will inevitably right. occur will be very high. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Burger flippers could make $100 an hour. Yeah. And so you, you have, I mean, they, can, they can literally be at $100 an hour, just like you said. And, and the reason for that is that it's a supply and demand situation, right? And if, if people are in demand and they, they go to the appropriate places where they feel that there is a demand, and that could be, by the way, by being a plumber. If you discover that there are very few people that are, are plumbing, well, then by golly, go ahead and do a plumber. What's the expression um, in, in the world of the blind, a one-eyed man is king, right? Same thing. I mean, one of the things that, you know, uh, that has allowed my Sunday show to be such, such a success is that that's the fact that I saw a demand there for political commentary on the weekend. Nobody was providing it. I'll be that guy. I'm not saying that I'm the best guy. I don't think I'm, I'm at all as, as bright as Dennis Prager or Michael Medved or Rush Limbaugh. But guess what? I'm the only guy. <laughs> so I think I'm reasonably bright. Uh, I think people want to listen. But by golly, I'm the only, only show in town. And as a consequence, great things can happen. I, I often liken it to the notion of a guy that, that finds himself on an island. Uh, he's the only guy on an island uh, with, with 100 women. Guess what? He doesn't need to look so good. He doesn't need to shave every day. He doesn't even need to be uh, you know, thin and svelte. Uh, he just needs to be decent. What you're saying is, based on his average looks, bad personality and poor oral hygiene, he will still be paid well in the currency right. that men and women trade in. Supply and demand. Right. Supply and demand. And conversely, of course, the, the women will be competing for him, and they, they will in, 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 indeed try to be as pretty, as an interesting, as you know, personality, uh, all, all those things that, that men like. They'll, they'll compete. And vice versa, if, if the reverse were true, right? It, then, you know, if there's only one, uh, if there are 99 guys and there were only one woman, uh, then, then of course, uh, you know, the woman need not be as appealing, and she doesn't need to work at it, as it were. And the guys do, in their respective ways. Supply and demand, is, is, that's the very notion of, of capitalism. And because of that, there's a service aspect to it, because we know that a restaurateur knows that, he, that, that their customers have many choices in their restaurant experience. They, and, and as a consequence, he wants to be as pleasant as possible to ensure that they come back. It's so basic. Yeah, it's not just the fact that his restaurant exists. It's not just the fact that his food is good or bad. He's, there are a lot of restaurants that will exist and have food that's either good or bad. It's the little things that put you over the edge. That's right. The service with the smile. Yeah. The hygiene. You, where you feel special. They might know your name. You get the idea. Now, going back to the whole notion of capitalism as a panacea and why I'm so drawn to it, why I'm so in love with it, it's, it's so rare in life that you, you are able to find a clear answer to a, a, an issue. Let me give you an example. I used to have some back pain, and I, we talked about this before. And one day, uh, after complaining about this back pain to a friend of mine, he was looking at me. I was crossing my legs, and he said, uh, so... Uh, nice shoes. Oh, thank you very much. I, I really like them a lot. Um, when did you get them? I said, oh, I got them about four years ago, and I keep on mending it a little bit, making sure that it's polished. It's my, my dad gave it to me as a, as a birthday gift once. They're really nice. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Have you thought about uh, resoling your shoes, Barack? And I thought, you know, I, I haven't done that in a long, long time. And he says, I know. And I said, how do you know? Well, first of all, I can see your soles, but I knew it even before you, I saw your soles. Because you told me about your back pain, and it was sudden, and the way you described it reflected that you're off balance, <laughs> okay? Simple solution to a big problem, okay? Uh, 
And many people would go to a, a back doctor to do surgery and, and not realizing that the very simple thing is sometimes the best solution. Likewise with exercise. How many people, Ari, do you know who are depressed, who have this or that ailment, and they don't do any exercise at all? Right? Uh, me, almost none, because I don't hang around those kind of people. <laughs> good. Well, that's, I find them unattractive that's right. in, well, that, in general. That's a very <laughs> so. good point. Well, unfortunately, I deal with a lot of people in my profession. I have opposing counsel. I have uh, you know, sometimes relatives of clients, opposing parties. Um, that uh, are just mean people. Uh, they're depressed. They, they have a cantankerous attitude. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't choose to be friends with them, but nevertheless, I have to deal with them. And I, I find that almost all the time, I actually interview these people just in passing. I say, what do you do for exercise? Ah, they don't have time for that, they say. Uh, they don't, uh, they're not interested in that kind of thing, you know, and they laugh about that. And I think to myself, there's your answer, you know? Yeah. What, what do they say? They say that if, if somebody could bottle the benefits of, of exercise in a pill, let's say, they would be billionaires overnight. Because, you know, you don't have to do the hard work to, to be, uh, you know, in good shape and such like that. But exercise is one of those things. Obviously, there's, there's excess, I suppose, where you can blow out your knees. You can do a lot of different damage to your body. But I'm talking about normal, you know, half an hour a day, 45 minutes a day of something aerobic, something a little bit of weight, you know, weight-bearing exercise. You can't possibly do for yourself with pills what what I just described can do for you. Now, that, that won't necessarily cure your cancer if you have cancer and so on, but the, the basic principle of some exercise, gosh, it can't, it can't be bad for you. It can only help you. And so it is with capitalism. So it is. Capitalism offers so many different great results. And I think, as you said before, there's not a single thing that capitalism has negative going for it. And, and let's explore your first point, where you talked about medical issues and Obamacare. The only reason Obamacare even became an issue as a possible solution to something anywhere in the medical industry is because the medical industry for a long time has been suffering from distortions of capitalism. Right. And the only thing that will cure distortions of capitalism is freeing capitalism to exist, right. not more non-capitalism. That's right. That, that, their, their answer That's to... That's one of the, our, our, I see, basic tenets here. Right. Well, their answer to the pill that doesn't work to, to, to alleviate your symptoms was to give more, more of that same pill. That's right. And uh, we, we basically say, no, you know, maybe it's the pill that's causing the problem in the first place. You know, you're, it, it's, it's causing, you know, you start taking these pills and it starts making you dizzy. Well, perhaps the pill made you dizzy. All right, stop taking more pills. Their answer is to take more pills. Capitalism avoids so much of this. Now, what they don't see also is the historical context, right? This is, this is why history is so important. I dare say that conservatives are far more likely to love history and to, to embrace history and see history as a necessity in their lives and education for their kids as well. Why? Because you can't you can't know how to proceed with the future if you don't know what the past has to offer. So we know, for example, a very obvious example, is that if, if a, a, a leader uh, from some crazy country decides that he wants to, and he threatens to kill a lot of uh, uh, people, let's say the Jews or the Christians or, or whatever, you start taking them seriously. 
because it turns out we have some lessons from the past in this very department. Okay, and you don't let uh, a, a rogue leader get stronger and stronger. You try to, to stop him in his tracks as soon as you can. Otherwise, you get, you get a huge metastasized problem on your hands, like a cancer. We've learned that. But likewise with capitalism, we now know that there's no system ever devised in the history of mankind that, that produces the greatness for any society as capitalism has in every respect not just the health that we talked about, not just the innovation we talked about, but also in the sense of culture uh, and the sense of freedom, personal liberty. Um, this is, and, and our closeness to God, if you like, uh, but also our, inter, our personal interactions between each other and among each other. People are nicer in capitalist worlds. Do you know that? Do you, so you know with that? a smile? It, it really is. And, and I think it's not just because they're forced to, so to speak. Somebody will say, oh, you're just saying, well, the, the, the restaurant well, is, they are, is just... They yeah. are forced to at work, but in the rest of the society, because they're allowed to prosper, they're not in the constant pain and agony okay. of having either demeaning jobs that offer no stimulus to them because they don't have any reason to engage in enterprise above and beyond the mundane robotic actions they engage in, like the waiter in Europe, because there's no incentive for tips, no incentive for upward mobility, anything like that. Or they have terrible jobs somewhere in the in the government, or they have the poverty. Oh, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take you one step further. I think the reason why, I, I think that's that's true, but I think you may be missing the larger point here, which is when, when capitalism or, or, or system allows you to thrive based upon the things that you love to do, then you are embracing the humanity of each person and, and you're celebrating the humanity. You can be whatever you want to be is the notion, it's right? It's a fantastic point. Yeah. That's so, so important. Yeah. So, and this is what we, we love about it and it's what you and I love about it. I mean, you're doing the, the, the great stuff that you do from the social media point of view. You're promoting different businesses, uh, mine for that, for that matter. I'm, try, I'm doing what I love to do, which is to, to rectify what I perceive to be wrongs. Uh, and, and making great deals if I can uh, for and among uh, my clients. And it's great. And I, and I love doing that for people. And because of that, I think we each see each other as people who are self-actualizing to, to the utmost that they can be. And so we say, how are you to each other? We really mean it. Like, how's life going? And, and there's a very good chance you'll say, oh, it's so great. I've got some great new clients. I'm so excited to work with them. Right? Well, even, but, even but, more. But the, but the chance of, of a restaurateur, or actually a waiter, uh, you ask him in, in France, how are you, how's life going? And he says, ah, bah, pshaw. And he makes the, the face that he makes, never cracks a smile. Uh, he would never say, what a great day I had today. I got so many great tips, and it was really fun to work and, and, and serve all these people and, and be nice to them. And I got some ideas with some friends. So, no. No, they, they would never do that. No, the bottom line is we look forward to pursuing what we can do. The more business I get, the more work I have to do, the happier I am. Oh, that's a great point. In France, or, or in most of Europe, the more work you get, the more of a, of a burden it is, the more of a... a uh, a, a, a hindrance, a pain in the a, butt. A, yeah, I an annoyance. Yeah, yeah, a pain in the butt. Yeah, that's the legal term. Uh, more of an annoyance it is to you. You you, you think like, oh God, you know, you know, it's 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 a little bit like government work is here to some extent. But you know, I'm talking about the private sector here. If I get a new client, 
I get excited. You know, wow, this is a new client. What a great, uh, interesting thing. Hopefully we can resolve them early and be heroes to them for, for resolving early. That's always the, the greatest thrill for me. You know, you, you'll, you'll hear me in most of my radio commercials, for example, I'll say, oh, I, I was able to resolve this early and here's how. Fine. But I'm still thrilled to be able to help somebody, that new person. And, and I see it in you too, Ari, when you tell me about a new client that you have uh, to help you. And I just, fantastic. And then I want to help you and you want to help me. It's great. This is, this is the collaborative nature of, of capitalism, which is another thing, that, now that I think about it, that capitalism offers, is that it encourage collabor- encourages collaboration. It yeah. finds ways of, of different industries helping each other. And it incentivizes people who like each other, of course, to work together. Because right. if you like each other, you work together. But it also encourages people who might share different interests or have different backgrounds or even not like each other very much in other parts of life, come together with a passion right. where their interests overlap both financially oh, yeah. and commercially. And then they work together and discover new things about each other and like each other and become uh, positive engagers with each other. Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely right. I think in Europe, Again, we, as a foil, we, we need to speak about Europe. I think it's very rare in Europe. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it's very rare in Europe that, that families of companies uh, working together, for that matter, ever get together with their wives or their kids and say, like, get to know each other a little bit better that way. They don't do that. They, 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 they'll, they'll play the game of saying, well, let's, let's go out to have drinks and such, but that's purely for business purposes, and that's purely to open up with the other side, but not from a social aspect of getting to know them personally and to understand that, that their jobs is part of their very identity, right? And going back to what you just said, and I think it connects with the identity aspect, is that you desire your clients to do well. Right, you want their success, and they want you in turn to succeed. I want you to succeed, and this is the what is it? The thank you, thank you culture that we talked about so often. We we love we love it when uh, our customers succeed, our clients succeed, uh, and so it should be. Yeah, and, right? and because that's the very essence of of what it is. If somebody comes to my business and they say, you know, Mr. Lurie, we'd love to give you some uh, marketing. Uh, techniques that'll help you uh, raise your profile in the legal industry. And then, uh, and, and all they do is they sell me a, a bill of goods. Well, you know, they're not going to get any more business from me. So they desperately want me to succeed. They will call me up. How's business going? How's business going? They want to hear me say, yeah, I think it's working. I think it's working. Okay, great. Let's keep it up. Would you like to make any nuance changes to what we do, Mr. Lurie? Um, sure. Let's do this. Let's try that. And it, and it it's a wonderful thing. Isn't that the way it should be? Well, not only do we want it, we're dependent on it. Yeah. If you are my client and you don't do well, there's something in capitalism called, uh, well, from the Seinfeld era, shrinkage. And shrinkage means people get cut. Yeah. You can't do as much. I want, I want every client I have to be as prosperous as possible, to hire me for more things. I want to be as prosperous as possible so I can invest in other people, new equipment, better equipment, more people working yeah. for me to do yeah. more and more work. Of course. Yeah. And, and I desire it. Right. It's the, the passionate, wonderful thing about this is we have not only a desire, but a, a deep-seated need to have other people succeed. And when you need other people to succeed, it cures a, 
uh, one of the seven deadly sins. It right. cures jealousy and greed, or um, right. I guess jealousy. Right. Because if you want other people to have more, by definition, you're right. less greedy and you're not jealous. Yes, I, I, I so agree with you. Um, you know, I was thinking about pulling one of these students off, uh, off the side, sidewalk and, and asking them questions about socialism and such like that. He's like, oh, he's apoplectic about the very notion. All right, well, if they hear us, we, we might drag somebody in who seems might, he might be interested in, in hearing our talk. And reasonable. Uh, but, and nonviolent. And yes, nonviolent. Well, having this discussion can cause a riot on campus. That's right. That we're making, that we're not in the designated uh, <laughs> The free safe. speech zone, yes, and they true. might have to go to a safe space if they overhear uh, us. That's so, right. Or Microaggressions and so forth. Yes. Okay. So, but but let's let's. Okay. What I what I love about this is uh, how beautifully artistic the notion, how aesthetic capitalism is. Who, who, whoever found this out, you know, let let's pretend there's a discoverer of this. Uh, the, the genius behind it, um, who helped us escape from the madness of the routine cycle of having to um, constantly feed the king and, and pay homage to the king and to only live for the king. Um, th this is a fantastic uh, a turnabout of events that allows us to all liberate, liberate ourselves and ask some basic questions like, why are we living? What is our purpose? And we discover, surprise, surprise, that perhaps our purpose is to make society around us better and to seek out God in the process. And I love that. I've always loved that. Now, let's let's address some of the some of the comments that no doubt some listeners on the liberal side of the equation will email me later on. So I'm going to I'm going to address this right now. So I will address those questions and then I think I'll actually answer them in part 2 uh, of this uh, of this podcast. So, here are the questions. Look, you know, Barack and Ari, you're so uh, idealistic about capitalism. That's nice. Uh, but let's face it. Um, we need... Ca capitalism really leads to all sorts of horrible results. Look at Bernie Madoff, for example, and how he devastated so many people's lives. Look at uh, the, the pollution generated by so, so much in the way of industry. Um, how, how do you deal with that, uh, Barack and Ari? And, and, and if capitalism is so great for, for society, then how come there is this... Uh, huge disparity uh, between the rich and the poor and the middle class, and why is the middle class uh, seemingly disappearing? So please answer that for us, and we will when we get back. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case involving a $220,000 promissory note and you won a trial, but later discovered that the defendant had transferred all his assets. Dennis, when judgment debtors don't want to pay, they may shift assets over to their relatives, asking them to hold them till the coast is clear. How did you get the payment? The defendant had transferred title to two commercial buildings. We convinced them to admit it was an illegal transfer. That led 
to a great settlement with guarantees from relatives with penalties. And don't you know, they're making payments every month on time like clockwork. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. about the questions that people no doubt have about capitalism in terms of, I guess, the challenges to, you know, to, to attack our love affair with capitalism. Um, they'll, they'll basically say why the difference between the poor and the rich. Uh, doesn't capitalism lead to egregious uh, problems such as what we saw with Bernie Madoff and all, all sorts of environmental issues? And if you don't uh, control these people, then you know, bad things will happen. That's really the, the gist of the complaints against capitalism, right? Yeah, shouldn't there be common sense regulations? Yeah, whatever that means, right? <laughs> common sense. Yeah, I love that. People without yeah. common sense, right? <laughs> whatever is reasonable. I mean, even, and these these are the same people, by the way, who say, um, you know, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter, right? You right. know, so they they're the ones who are constantly telling us about moral relativism. But then when they talk about common sense regulations, then you get this notion that there's only one standard. Like right. Whatever. And, they, the, and they also love to tell us when we say, well, how about some common sense regulations on abortion? How dare you? Yeah, you exactly. in a slippery slope. Slippery slope. Tearing away a woman's right to choose. All right. So let's let's talk about this. Uh, the first, the Bernie Madoff question, and and others like him, that they'll abuse the system and such like that. Okay. First of all, let's remember that Bernie Madoff wouldn't even be in a position where people, where he could exploit people's wealth if they didn't have wealth in the first place, right? I mean, that's the whole point. And, okay, no, so that's, that's one thing I want to get rid of. Secondly, uh, in other words, that's a rich man's question, right? A rich society's question. You know, people can be exploited. All right. The, the other thing is that Remember that regulations were nothing um, in, in the Bernie Madoff world. Bernie Madoff followed all the regulations and still managed to pull off the greatest fraud in America's uh, history. Okay, so if that's the case, then the regulations are not so meaningful, and all the regulations that you might envision under socialism would also not work either. So don't 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 go too far with that. Yeah, and I think you're a lawyer, so you <clears> might <throat> be able to answer the question: um, Is fraud an inherent part of socialism? Uh, as a non-legal expert, I don't think it is. Right. It's, that's why it's illegal. <laughs> right. Well, it leads to fraud, but that's another story, and I can I can show that all day long. But capitalism also contemplates, as part and parcel of capitalism, a, a set of rules, a set of laws, not regulations, but laws, and enforcement of the laws. And that, I think, we do very well in America, and it, unlike other countries, America really does focus on the enforcement of laws. So you cannot breach contracts um, without paying a penalty. You cannot defraud people without paying a penalty. It's not as if it goes unnoticed. The point is that there always will be crime. There always will be fraud. There always will be mistakes and car accidents. The question is, how do we deal with them? It's not a perfect world. It never will be a perfect world. I'm guaranteeing you, 100 years from now, somebody will commit a theft. I'm guaranteeing you, 1,000 years from now, somebody, sadly, will still commit a rape. 
I'm guaranteeing you 10,000 years from now, somebody will commit a murder. Okay? It's, there, there's no way you can stop these things. The question is, how, does you, how do you as a society respond to those? And capitalism demands that society responds to them evenly, with justice, um, and, and swiftly. Because if you don't do it, then the capitalist system falls apart. I think I've nipped that in the bud very, very well, that particular question. The next question is the rich and poor question. <clears throat> How come there's a big disparity between rich and poor? Um, and then, of course, finally we'll deal with the environmental issue. The, 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 the rich and poor issue, I think we talked briefly about this already. The, the fact is that merely making everyone poor does not mean, and, and equally so, does not mean that you have a good society. It just means you have a poor society. And that's nothing to be proud of. I'd much rather have a society where there are some poor, uh, hopefully as minimal as possible, <clears throat> but a, a reasonable size, a middle class, and even ones that may be struggling in the middle class, um, and then uh, some rich as well, than to have everyone be equally poor. And that seems obvious. And yet people don't understand that that is exactly what would happen, and that is exactly what is happening in France, Germany, England, Japan. To go to those countries, you would see middle-income people, even, in fact, upper-middle-class people, and you would say, this barely meets the, the threshold of poverty in America. Poverty. And the reason why they, they somehow thrive there, not thrive, whatever they survive, is that they have free education, free medical care, and such like that. But that's not a system. Uh, that's, not, that's just surviving. That's not thriving. And that's the difference between uh, we here in America and, and those in, in Europe. We thrive, they survive. Okay? So, again, capitalism is a far better answer for all these things. Now, I pose the question, or I should say I throw the questions back at them. Tell me, does socialism, where, where does socialism allow people to thrive? Under what rubric can you possibly say it allows you to thrive? You cannot. It does not happen, and it won't ever happen in the, in the, in the future of socialism, and it never has happened in the past with socialism. Finally, the environmental question. Uh, people talk about, well, look, you know, <clears throat> capitalism will, will encourage people to take shortcuts when it comes to cleaning up the environment. Um, a, a, um, a big uh, toxic uh, waste company will just dump things without it being regulated uh, and watched over. Okay, first of all, that's a falsity. You, you, you're, just, you're making an assumption when you say that. Because every, every uh, environmental agency, or sorry, company, uh, that, that wants to make a product, for example, to dump it in the river and to be caught, uh, not just by the environmental authorities, but by the media. The bad publicity associated with that is, is damaging enough to the company. They would not want to do that. Take McDonald's, for example. I, I'm not a big fan of McDonald's, but I respect that they are a, a thriving business. Let's say that they decided, hey, we're going to make their meat with, with rat feces, okay? Because somehow it's more, uh, it's, it's cheaper to do so. Not, I'm not saying that that's the case, but let's, let's pretend that they were to do that. And let's see if we can get away with it, right? And eventually, a McDonald's knows that somebody's going to catch on to this. An employee will whistleblow about it, or somebody will figure it out because they take it to the lab. And they realize, hey, this is rat feces. <clears throat> that will devastate McDonald's overnight, right? Likewise with the airplane. You know, if, if it crashes, guess what happens to the stock of that airline? It plummets. It crashes equally, right? It has every incentive to be clean, to be safe, and to be efficient. 
and to be on time for that matter if it's an airline. This is the way capitalism is built. And you don't understand that if you just make the assumption that uh, all capitalist companies are greedy. And it's just not so. So, <clears throat> uh, and it's too easy to argue that, uh, for example, lumber companies, okay, they're in the business of trees, right, when you think about it. They're actually, they're not lumber companies, they're gardeners. Right, they, that's right. They, <laughs> they grow it, stuff. There you go. They're, they're in the business of growing trees, not destroying trees, growing trees. How can you say that, Brock? They're making lumber. Because if they, if they don't, at some point, grow they, 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 they want to grow them, and if you don't grow the trees, well, then guess what? You lose. You oh, because if they don't have the trees to, yeah. to cut down and sell, they don't have trees to cut down and sell. Right. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite of the Lorax uh, principle, right? Like, like this stupid moron just decides to cut down all these trees and doesn't have any foresight whatsoever to think that one day this might all go away, right? I mean, it's, it's such a, it's a classic example of the way liberals think that conservatives think. That's the, that's the amazing thing. And if they actually study the lumber industry, they'll discover, lo and behold, that there are more trees now than there were 100 years ago in America. Okay, and likewise in Israel, by the way. So, it, and it's not just trees, it's just every natural resource. Right, I did, can we just talk about the Lorax for like <laughs> 10 seconds? Because I just realized something about it. The Lorax, there was a uh, market need for the truffula trees and their thneeds, right? Right. So, only in a socialist world. By the way, he doesn't have a lisp, it's just the way it's pronounced. No, it's called a thneed. T H N E D. <laughs> say, say, say it again. Thneed. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's, that's Dr. Seuss's word. I've never been more attracted anyway, to you right I now. I just realized. <laughs> I just realized the Lorax is a perfect example of socialism. Some government agency gave yes. the Wunzler a monopolistic carve-out and allowed no competition on the Truffiola tree uh, acreage so that no competitors could see the Wunzler's conduct and work on a Truffiola tree uh, breeding program. This philosophical detour has been brought to you by R.E. David. R.E. David. Okay, so I get that. Get I, I agree with you. But the, 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 I think the more important part of the Lorax story, or at least from a conservative uh, standpoint of learning from it, is this, this short-sightedness that they think, that liberals think, that we, the conservatives, have. This is the amazing thing, that they are so short-sighted. They, they not only don't look into the future even uh, one week, they don't look into the past one week to, to look for lessons. And that's the amazing thing. Thing. It's it's the ultimate in projection, but that's another story. Yeah. The point is that uh, every company that's in the in the business of resources, and that's most companies, are always looking to make sure that they don't run out of that, that those very resources. You know, especially if if they are renewable, like trees, right? Like energy, like There's, strawberries. Yeah, you, you, you will regrow them. You don't just say, oh, uh, here's a bunch of strawberries, and I'm in the strawberry business, and I'm going to take them all. Oh, what's that you say? There are no more strawberries? We've destroyed every single one? Well, I guess we'll find another fruit to, to utterly deforest and destroy. In case we're not going to be serving a more fried dinosaur. <laughs> exactly right. Ah, it's so frustrating. All right, so but let's, let's talk about, again, our love affair with, uh, with capitalism. Yeah, our passion for yeah. it. Passion is the key. Okay. What other system engenders passion that allows you at least the opportunity to, to open the door to passion? And what do I mean by that? It's, it's the obvious thing. You can pursue what you want to do that may be passionate for you. Look, not all of us are doing things that are, are passionate for us. I, I dare say that the, the burger flipper is probably not passionate about flipping burgers. He doesn't say, wow, I hope I can flip 50% you know, more burgers today than I did last week. No, he doesn't do that. I get that. He's doing it for the paycheck. 
But in, in, in Europe, nobody's passionate about anything that they do. Okay? Because there's so many regulations, so many burdens, so that even if you are, let's say, passionate about fashion design, okay, you're going to end up coming to America at some point if you really want to um, blossom in your business. That's the only way, because America will entertain that. America, and capitalism generally speaking, if it's done right, allows you to say, if you're truly passionate, let's say, about teaching, you're going to be a great teacher. If you're, a great, if you're passionate about art, this is the place to do it. If you're passionate about writing, if you're passionate about uh, being a movie director, um, uh, be, being involved in computers, being a lawyer, being a, whatever it is, this is the place to do it because it will allow you to flourish. You are emboldened to be passionate. That's what I love about capitalism as well. And here is, we talk about a love affair. Okay, now I want to use the word love in many ways. How many times do we always, you know, see these movies, for example, where the, the girl or the, or the guy, but usually it's the girl saying, I, I love him, he's so wonderful because he lets me be me. He loves me for who I am, right? Well, that's what I love about capitalism. Capitalism loves me for who I am. It doesn't try to change me. That's socialism's job, right? That's communism's job. Well, you want to be a great writer, Barack? You want to be a great lawyer? No, we don't think so. We think, you, you know, your role is to be, you know, flipping burgers or being a janitor or being a plumber. Or even if it's something good, you're forced to do it. Ice skaters. Yeah. You're an ice skater because you're good at it. No one in the Soviet Union ever says to the great ice skaters, do you want to be an ice skater? Yeah, They might right. not want to. Yeah, they've, just, they've decided for them what, they, what they're going to be interested in. They're just cogs in a machine. So I want to be loved for who I am, so to speak, and I want to be able to flourish for who I am. Only capitalism, repeat, only capitalism allows you to do it. And that's why I love capitalism. Capital capitalism and I have a fantastic relationship. Thank you very much. Capitalism understands me. I understand capitalism. We get along famously. All right? So uh, that, that is the difference. And that's something that you don't see uh, anywhere to be found in the context of socialism. All right, so like God, right? We talked before about how capitalism allows us to seek out God, and that's, of course, very true. I don't think that any other system really em embraces God or allows you to embrace God the same way that capitalism does. It is no mystery, no mystery whatsoever to me or to you, Ari, how we Americans are far more passionate about faith than Europeans are. And, that, and I think the reason why is, is because of capitalism. Because in capitalism, not only does it kind of go part and parcel with God, but it allows us the opportunity to believe in God. And, um, and, and that is something, when Europeans see us, one of the things that they mock about us, not just because we say, how are you all the time, how we're crazy about guns and such like that, but also they, 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 they find it to be very funny, very odd, that we believe in God so passionately. What's the deal with that? And the reason why is because we have a system which not only allows us to flourish to be ourselves and such, but we discover through the system that our purpose is to seek out God. It, that's, that's the essence of it. And that's why we're so different than, than the Europeans. They, and, and they're wondering, why is it? It's like they, they wonder, like, why do you Americans love color TV so much? We, you know, black and white TV is so fine because that's all they know is black and white TV. Why are you so passionate about color TV? Because we can have color TV. Color TV is better. That's the way it is. 
And, and I, Ari, you said this offline very much before, and I like this, um, which is that you said that God, of course, is eternal. And capitalism, unlike all the other isms, because it's not really an ism, even though it ends with the words ISM, capitalism is eternal. Like God is, in a, in a sense, eternal. Yeah, no one invented it. No it one invented just it. it. It just exists. Yeah, we, we, did, we didn't talk about, you know, we, we kind of laughed at that if somebody discovered it, but no one really did discover it. It was, it was... Uh, just like, what people did. Yeah. It just naturally, it's just naturally what occurs to people when they're free. Right, it does. It, it, at the end of the day, you, you bring out your own human nature. It's just that we cleared away the clutter. And then here we are. Yeah, and, and right? I think the major point is all the other isms that socially engineer an economic solution upon a society had to have been dreamt up by flawed human beings with flaws that go from uh, from great or lesser degrees. But yes, they're flawed, but yes the, the, exactly right. The flaws right. of the system are equal to proportion the flaws of the human who came up with it. And because you're imposing flawed systems upon large numbers of human beings, of course, disaster occurs. Yeah. Capitalism is the only way of life for a society to exist that existed before someone invented it. And as a result, like God, it's, if you will, perfect. Yeah. We are, uh, we're fascinated with this notion of, of capitalism because, you see, we started off by saying, I have a crush on capitalism. I'm in love with capitalism. And it seems, it's, it seemed to you, the listener, a little bit bizarre to say that, right? Let, is that fair, my dear listener? I know that it would have sounded bizarre to me because even as I said it, I, I felt it was bizarre. But I realized that when we thought about all these different issues, that in fact it is very appropriate to have a love affair with capitalism, to be in love with capitalism. Because in reality, capitalism allows you to be you, to, be, to, to, to enjoy all the great goodness of life, to bring out the very best in you. And if that's the case, why wouldn't you be in love with capitalism? I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.